taught, felt that Russia would, would be a part of an invasion that would come from the north. Well, when the Soviet Union fell, and uh, there were no really oil concerns, there wasn't much of a military. In fact, a lot of their expansionist issues had to be obviously put on the back burner for the last decade or more because they just they didn't have any money, didn't have much military, they had enough internal problems. It was going to keep them tied up, what apparently looked like, for a very long, long time. And so I started to think about that, and I thought, well, wow, what would, what would cause Russia to want to go in now and to invade this particular area? What would cause Russia to suddenly have a stake in what's going on in the Middle East, uh, especially now when there doesn't seem to be uh, any, any reason or expansionist philosophy that's going on within the old Soviet Union. And as tragic as it was, recently you all seen those Chechnyan rebels that, that just brutally and absolutely horrifically killed those people in southern Russia, uh, children. Uh, we heard reports of, of them shooting them in the back. It, it just, it just it incenses you. And uh, then I noticed that there were great gatherings of Russians in cities all over. Now, you have to realize the, the former Soviet Union is as large or larger than the United States of America. So keep that in mind as far as geography. And cities all over Russia, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, there were, there were hundred plus thousand people that gathered in Red Square in Moscow, not counting all the cities in, in Russia. Just, just incensed, I don't know whether you call it a protest or whether you would just call it a support, but that they were making a stand that they were not going to tolerate this sort of terrorism anymore. And, and this is one thing you've got to understand, is that for Russians to gather together like that and to, and, and on their own in order to exercise a freedom to say, we want to make a statement, I mean, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible that the people would do that. And then you link that to the fact that it is tied back again, those Chechnyan rebels are, are once again, although the, the, the media will not tell you this, I mean, they are tied to radical uh, Islam, and, and you begin to think about the roots of terrorism and where it's coming from, and all of a sudden, you can begin to see why Russia might have a stake again in the Middle East, and why it might not like little Israel, because a lot of this, again, has to, you know, they attack us because they're mad at Israel. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's what goes on. And you can begin to see one more time how all of a sudden nations can be drawn into this thing and it wouldn't take long before we'd have an incredibly prophetic scenario begin to take place. And so we may well be the generation that sees a lot of this come to pass and it's fascinating to consider and we're going to talk a little bit more about it tonight. And last week we reviewed all the different kind of theories. I just wanted you to know that there are a lot of scriptural theories as to how end time scenarios may wrap up. I, I gave you a little chronology here. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and just put the chronology we're going to work with because by and large, I think it's the one most everybody adheres to and it's the one I would adhere to. Remember the cross and then we'll make our little timeline that will go to the end of the age. Right now, you and I are in the, what we call the church age. We do not know exactly how long this church age is going to last. Up to this point, obviously, it has lasted from the cross approximately 2,000 years. But there's going to come a moment that we're going to move into what's called a, a, a seven-year tribulation period. And after that seven-year period, there'll be another event which will give us 
a 1,000-year millennial reign. And then after that, we're going to have, and this arrow has nothing to do with rapture or anything else. It's just identifying. We'll just put GWT, which will indicate great white throne judgment. And that will happen at the end of that 1,000-year period, and that's when everything is wrapped up. But, but we're going to work with this timeline as it is. And I didn't put in there where I believe all the happenings are going to take place. We'll work with this as the weeks go on. But uh, this is a premillennial chart. This is what we call premillennialism. And uh, that's what we're going to work with. And tonight I'm going to talk about what I promised you was what is called the rapture. And I, I, the title of my lesson is called The Great Escape. The Great Escape. Um, let me just say that sometime... During this period, some believe it's at the beginning, some believe it's at the end, some believe it's anywhere in the middle. There's going to come what we have, what we have called the rapture, the rapture. Now, I told you the rapture is that secret catching away of the saints. Uh, this is the secret uh, uh, receiving of the saints so that the saints that are on the earth will avoid... And uh, not have to endure what the Bible says, the wrath that is yet to come. Uh, we will read these in a later lesson. But the Bible says that you have not been appointed to wrath. Now the question is, when does wrath show up? And we'll deal with that. But the fact of the matter is, you have not been appointed to wrath. And whenever that shows up, the Bible tells us that the Lord is going to come for his people. And receive his people so that they might not have to endure the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is poured out at some point during the seven-year tribulation. Obviously, if you believe that the rapture is at the beginning, then you would consider this whole seven-year period to be the wrath of God. If he were to come at another time, you would believe whatever time is left has to deal with the wrath of God. We will talk about this, but I'm not going to deal with that tonight. We're just talking about the rapture is that catching away, that secret catching away, so that the saints will not endure the wrath of God. Now, let me just tell you a few things about rapture that may be of interest to you. Uh, the first thing is, is that the word itself, in fact, well, I, I see I threw some scripture up. Why don't we just read some scripture with regards to it before I, I, I give you some other things. 1 Corinthians 15, if you have your Bibles, open it up. 1 Corinthians 15, and let me read you a couple scriptures where, where people will pull this concept out of. And we'll talk about it here in just a minute. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and then over to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, and usually when the word sleep comes up, it's talking about death. The Bible word sleep oftentimes refers to death. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now you say, well, how do you get a rapture out of that? Well, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And, and then I will read to you how that harmonizes and how this concept begins to be derived. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. There it is again. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus... For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, 
with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Everyone say caught up. Caught up. We're going to talk about that word here in just a minute. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. All right. This is what we define as rapture. Now let me say just a couple things about the word. I think I put on the screen overhead that number one, the word is not found in scripture. The word rapture is not in the Bible. If you, if you look in your concordance and you want to find the word rapture, you're not going to find that word. But let me just also say this. You won't find Trinity in your Bible either. And yet we all believe in Trinity. You won't find the word original sin. And yet we all believe in the concept of original sin. You will not find slain in the spirit. But you will find that concept in the scripture. So it is you will find this word as well. Now... The word rapture actually comes from the Latin, repere, which was derived from the Greek. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But, but the Latin word, repere, actually means to be caught up. And the Latins derived it from the Greek word, which is what you'll find here in the New Testament, harpazo. Harpazo, again, means to be caught up, caught away, snatched away. The concept of harpazo means to, to be translated. Now, if, if you want to see a couple of examples... ...of Harpazo. Let me just give you a couple quick examples. In fact, if you want to turn there... ...in Acts chapter 8... ...verse 39... ...Acts 8 and 39... ...Philip was evangelizing. And he came... Uh, ...you know, evangelizing... ...and there was this... Uh, ...Ethiopian... ...and uh, he began to evangelize. And as he evangelized him... ...the, the person repented, believed... ...they were baptized... And then all of a sudden, in verse 39, now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught. The word there is harpazo. Caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So here Philip is just doing ordinary stuff. He's evangelizing. He's baptized this guy. When he's done baptizing, all of a sudden, woof, he's gone. And he shows up somewhere else. Harpazo is the word, caught away. Now, there are several other good pictures of the concept of harpazo. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, it says that Enoch walked with God and he was not. In fact, later on, the Hebrew writer will tell us concerning Enoch that he had developed such a faith walk with the Lord that eventually the Lord said, there's no sense you having to walk anymore, uh, separated on the earth in this bodily fashion, so I'm just going to call you to be with me. And so Enoch just got a quick elevator ride to be in the presence of the Lord. Never died, never tasted death, caught away. So it is with Elijah as well. That's another picture. You remember the story of Elijah. It was time for him to go, and Elijah did not die. But the Bible says that he was caught away in a whirlwind, in a chariot of fire. And Elisha saw him, and he was caught away or caught up. All of these are pictures of what the rapture apparently will look like when it happens sometime, either at the beginning or during that seven-year time period. Now, do not confuse the word rapture with with, with sometimes what people will say, second coming. Now, we're going we're gonna to help you a little bit as you go through Scripture and as you listen to people teach. 
The Bible has a word, the Greek word is parousia, which we translate coming. And many times the Bible will talk about the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. Here's the problem sometimes when you read that word. Sometimes when it says the coming of the Lord, we instantly think that he's talking about the rapture. There are other times he's talking about the coming of the Lord, and he's talking about him coming in order to establish his millennial reign. And sometimes it's really hard unless you read through and get some context as to what exactly, which event he was talking about. And sometimes I have found when you go through scripture, what you actually find is that word is used interchangeably for either event. And so I have come to understand the word parousia is, 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 is to be translated coming, but you've got to understand second coming as a two-act play. All right? If you can, can kind of get a handle on that, it'll really help you. The, the first act of the second coming is Jesus coming to catch away his saints. The second act of his coming is when he comes with those saints in order to establish his millennial reign. And so rapture, he comes for you at the second coming or the, the revelational coming, he is coming with you. You hear me? First one's for you, that one's with you, but it all encompasses his coming. And we're going to talk about, we have time here tonight, what goes on in that time period. All right? Now, uh, I'm not going to set dates. Everybody can say praise God to that. He's not setting dates, all right? Um, I, I, but I'm going to just simply say this to you. I, I am pre-tribulational. I am an optimistic, excuse me, not pre-tribulational, pre-millennialist. I am an optimistic pre-millennialist. I, I believe that this is, this is probably the chronological setup as to what will happen in the last days. And, and I am very, and I'm optimistic in that regard. In other words, I know there's going to be some really horrible things we're going to talk about. If you think sometimes the world's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. But while I say that, I'm saying there's some incredibly cool things that are going to happen with the people of God. And so I'm optimistic. Now let me give you some features of the rapture. And, and, and you need to get your pencil out or your pen and you need to write some of these verses down. If you want to look it up yourself, I won't be able to read them all. But you can write them all down while I'm talking to you. I want to give you just a few things. This may be review for some of you. But for others of you that have never heard this, you need to listen very, very carefully. Some features of the rapture. I've not told you when it's going to happen I've not even mentioned when I think it's going to happen in this time period, but I want to tell you a few things I do know about it before we get there. The first thing is, is that it will be instantaneous. Instantaneous. Matthew 24, 27 says that as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. I mean, just like that. That's how quick it will be. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, we've read that. Read this, it said, in the twinkling of an eye. How quick's a twinkle? I don't know. I, I, somebody told me it was one one hundredth of a second. That's how quick it will happen. Now, why, why is it important for us to understand that it, it is instantaneous? It is important because there will be no time to ready oneself at that moment. When that moment happens, it happens. It's done. When he comes... He comes in a split instant. In Matthew 24, in fact, you might just want to keep your, your fingers in Matthew 24. There's a couple of interesting things that he mentions here. Matthew 24, 42. He says, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, 
he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. All right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 picks up on this. Paul would later write. He says that when Jesus comes to catch away his, his people, he says it will be likened to a thief in the night. Now, it's, it's, it's not that Jesus is stealing something. I mean, he's not stealing anything. He's, but what he's trying to communicate is there's going to be a suddenness, a sudden unexpectedness that, that he will come. And um, it's interesting because even in the, in the parables that will follow, in the wise and foolish virgin parable, he says after he tells the parable these words, he says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. So, we don't know the day or the hour. We cannot set dates. If anybody says, I know, I know the date, your antennas might as well go up. Because just as sure as they set a date, I'll guarantee you it ain't that date. For no man knows the day or the hour. When this happens, there will be a sense of unexpectedness. Just, it happened. All right? That's number one, instantaneous. Number two, the Bible tells us that there will be separation. Now, again, you, 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 you can read all different, you know, you, you, there's study Bibles, study notes, books, how Lindsay Jack Van Impey, I mean, there are hundreds of books you can get on this subject. And so everyone, and everyone's going to point to different verses and they're going to go different ways. I'm just telling you where I have come. When this event happens, there's going to be separation. What I mean by that is this. The Bible says two will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at a mill. One will be taken, and the other will be left. When this event happens, I don't, we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know, we, at least we haven't taught yet all the things that may surround it. But there are going to be some things that are going to be probably quite comical. And there are going to be some things that are going to be quite tragic. I, I, I mean, the, the, you go to sporting events, and the center takes the ball from, uh, the quarterback takes the ball from the center. He goes back to throw the long pass to that Christian receiver, and he ain't there. And nobody knows where he went to. Pitcher throws the ball, and there's no catcher. It'll happen that quick. Teachers in classrooms, suddenly gone. Kids still in the classroom. There's going to be, this is, this is some of the things you can just begin to think of. They're going to be in hospitals, surgery set up, and people in the middle of surgeries and doctors and nurses will be gone. That, 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 that'll, be, that'll be horrific. Um, daycares will be empty. Can you imagine? Imagine what we just saw media-wise with regards to what happened in Russia with the, with the tragic slaying of all those children in a school. And now imagine daycares everywhere, empty. Empty. Traffic jams, potential airline crashes, families separated, all sorts of things that begin to take place. I mean, this, this is going to be an event that, that, is, go that, that, is, that is going to bring separation. He, he is going to come and gather his own. It's time. It's time for them to be with him. And it's, and it's going to be an incredibly difficult moment on this world and when that moment happens 
there won't, at, that, at that time, there's going to be, I'm not saying there won't be a, an opportunity to get lives right with God. I'm simply saying it is going to usher you in to the most horrific time the universe has ever known. And that is why I simply, when I teach this, tell you that that's why you don't play around serving, serving God. I mean, I mean, we're talking about if it happens like that, and it can happen before we go out of here, it can happen next week, it may be a lot longer. Maybe, maybe it's another hundred years. I don't know. I'm simply telling you when it happens, it happens. A lot of people say, well, not all the prophetic elements have come together. Well, you know what? Here's my opinion. My opinion is this. Every prophetic element has come together. I mean, I mean they, were, they were thinking second coming back in the year 1000. So I can assure you that, that when he comes, everything will be put together, and he won't have to check in with you, and he won't have to check in with me. He just does it. Number three, I honestly believe that when this moment happens, it's going to be linked on earth to a natural disaster. Because a lot of times the question comes up, how would people not know what has just taken place? Well, the truth of the matter is some people probably will know because they had heard, they'd been in instruction maybe just like this. They'd heard this possibility, and now all of a sudden they're facing it. So some people obviously will know. And, um, and, and, and of course, they will take whatever steps they'll have to take in order to move through that uh, 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 time period in tribulation. But for others, how will they not know? How would, how would they continue to walk in their blindness or, the, or their deception? I personally believe that, that the rapture is probably going to be linked to some natural, catastrophic event that, that the world will be able to write off the, the missing people, the millions of missing people that will suddenly take place. Now, I'll just show you again, if you're in Matthew 24, I'm just going to allude to a few verses that I find interesting. There's Matthew 24, 29. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, and, and again, I understand some of you aren't going aren't to time it like this, but just bear with me. It says, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And, and here it says that there's going to be some sort of natural calamity that's going to be taking place in the heavens. If you turn to the book of the Revelation, and you'll understand why I use Revelation 11 in here in a couple weeks in order to... Uh, teach a little bit of the rapture in revelation eleven nineteen, 19 it says then the temple of god was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightnings noises thunderings and earthquake and great hail now i, I can't tell you how all this works but I, I can tell you this that if let's say just for the sake of argument if there was some some meteor that suddenly hit the earth and millions of people were missing. People would write it off to the meteor. But who's to say that natural calamity that took place wasn't ordered of the Lord in order to catch his people away? I'll tell you, on the day Jesus died, there was great natural disaster and calamity, which people still didn't associate. Even as they watched the Son of God die for all humanity, they didn't associate all the natural calamity with regards to what was taking place. All of creation was being redeemed at that moment, and it was responding in, 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 in incredible, catastrophic ways, and, and they didn't get it. And again, when the Lord shows up again, I just believe that's probably going to be the case. 2 Peter 3.10, there's another allusion, I believe, to that. 2 Peter 3.10, I'll read these real quick. 
It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So again, this particular moment seems to be associated with uh, a natural uh, calamity. Uh, the first time I'd ever heard that taught, uh, I heard it from Jack Hayford in one of his books. He, he uh, suggested that, and I think that's probably a pretty good suggestion, that uh, it's going to be associated with this natural calamity. Number four, the Bible tells us with regards to this event, when he comes for his saints, that those who go are the ones who are watching and have readied themselves to go. Matthew 24, 42 says, watch therefore, watch, watch therefore. Matthew 25, 13, he says it again, watch therefore. In fact, go back to 1 Thessalonians. Everybody turn to 1 Thessalonians again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read some things to you here that are interesting. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. It says this, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So here we find the thief talk again. It says, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon, comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Now listen to this, verse 4. But you brethren, but you brethren, now everyone say, that's me. All right, isn't that good news? But you brethren are not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. So if you're not in darkness, he says now it's, he's going to come as a thief. But it won't overtake you as a thief. He says you are all sons of light and sons of the day. Uh, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, he says this, he says that, that when he comes as a thief, uh, and this will be important later, that, that you might have a sense that this is about ready to happen, but if you are walking in darkness, you're going to be thoroughly unaware of what's going on. He's, he's going to come and if you're not watching and you are not readied, uh, he will come as a thief. In fact, Revelation 3.3, 3, he says these very words. Revelation 3.3, 3, you can look it up. It says, if you will not watch, I will come as a thief. If you will not watch, I will come as a thief. Now, I, I was just reading Dake. Phineas Dake decades ago. He, he, he had a study Bible, and, and he has a lot of interesting things that he says with regards to his study Bible, but one of the things he did was he had a real interest in the second coming. And so I happened to flip it open today, and I started reading through Dake, and I saw several interesting things that he wrote, and you know, he, he, he writes copious scriptural references. If you've ever seen a Dake study, anybody seen a Dake study Bible? I mean, it just, it'll, it'll just blow you away. And um, I was reading those little notes he has in the margin, and um, he wrote down what we will call 10, he had 10 qualifications, which was interesting, and, and, he, and he ran them back to scripture, uh, showing 
different points of what it meant to be ready, what it meant to be watchful as far as the rapture. And I thought, this is fascinating. I'm just going to give them to you because it's, it's, it's important, because it seems to be defined here. And he did a wonderful job in running these things down. So I'm going to go through this quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. But number one, he says that those, what does it mean to be qualified or ready or watchful? Number one, to be in Christ. Number two, uh, he said to be Christ's. Number three, that you're to be pursuing holiness. The Bible says that we're to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I thought, wow, that's an interesting little bit of revelation there. Number four, uh, go on guys, number four. He says walking in goodness. There's a passage in Luke that's talking about his coming and he begins to affirm that those he, he, he carries away have been walking in goodness. Um, number five, go ahead and switch over. Uh, worthy, uh, number six, uh, interesting, he comes for those in the church. I, I thought that was fascinating, Ephesians 5, 27. Those that are pursuing purity, 1 John 3, I believe it is, verses 2 and 3, it says, For when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. So even as Christ has declared you to be pure, as you are pursuing it as well, he says, that's, that's, that will be the crew that gets to see him face to face. Number eight. Uh, he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle, it says. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Number nine, walking in the Spirit. And number ten, uh, walking in the light. Uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, his blood cleanses us from all sin. And, and anyway, he, he goes through all of these, and just, it was just fascinating uh, as he began to define what watchfulness and uh, readiness is, and uh, I wanted to just sew that into you because I think that was just a, a good exhortation to understand that, that the Lord really does expect us to stay up to date. He wants us to stay in step. He wants us to stay in tune. You can't ride, so you can't hitchhike. We always want to hitchhike on someone else. We, 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 we've, got to get, we've got to get where we need to be and not hitchhike on another. All right, we'll let that one go. Number five. Concerning the rapture, there's going to be a seasonal sense when it is near. Now, the Bible, now, this is what I believe. This is a personal point of mine. The Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour. No man knows. No man knows the day or the hour. But he puts that within the context, which is interesting to me. He says in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man. Now, no man knows the day or the hour. But I want you to turn back to the book of Genesis here real quick. Look at this. Genesis chapter 5, I believe it is. 6, 7, sorry. Chapter 7. God's getting ready now to flood in Genesis 7. And, and the Lord tells him in this chapter 7 what all he needs to do in order to get the ark ready and what he's to ready the ark and everything about it. And then he says this in verse 4. He says, for after seven more days, for after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, here, here's what I believe. I don't believe we're going to know the day or the hour. I don't believe we can set dates. But I do believe that there could be a sense of revelation in God's people to such an extent that, we, that, we, that within a week, Noah had a week's notice. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be 
the coming of the Son of Man. I, believe, I can believe there could be such an impending discernment, such a seasonal understanding that, that, the, that, that the church, I mean, those who are walking and those, those who understand the things of the Spirit and can hear the word of the Lord. I mean, I, I believe that we might have a seasonal understanding that we are very, very, very close. Jesus said this to his disciples. He gave them the parable of the fig tree. And uh, again, whenever the Lord was speaking of Israel, he used the olive tree. But the fig tree, I believe, was used specifically in order to talk about the church. And he says, look at the fig tree. Consider the fig tree. And when you see the fig tree sprouting its buds, it's becoming tender, and it's beginning to bloom and bear fruit. He says, know that the time is near. I believe that when the church begins to, to bloom like it's never bloomed before, I believe when the church begins to spread its arms like it's never spread before, I believe when the church begins to bear fruit like it's never borne fruit before, when it begins to do all the things that Christ designed for it to do in a way that we've never seen before, I believe we're going to be on the precipice or the brink of seeing him come back, just like he did with Enoch. When he looked at Enoch, he said, Enoch, you love me, you walk with me, you're everything. We have relationship in such a way. It is senseless. It is senseless for you to be there and for us to be separated by your natural body and my spiritual, just my, 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 my spiritual you know, entity. I mean, that's God is spirit. He says there's no sense in that anymore. So you just need to come be with me. I honestly believe that when the church is, is taken away, that, that I don't know what the number is. I don't know how many it will take. I don't know if it's, if it's a covenant of salt. I know there's going to have to be a number in God's mind, but basically he looks at his church and he says, you know what, it is senseless for you to be sojourning on that earth anymore. We have relationship, we enjoy one another, you're blooming, you're blossoming, you're doing my will, you're doing my work. I, you know what, just come be with me. Just come be with me. Come be with me. Come be with me. Now what happens... When the church is taken out. I'm going to go through this real fast. All right, You're going to have to write these down. I'm going to go through these fast. This is, what, this is what's happening. Let's, let, for the sake of argument, I'll just, I'll just say it happens here. For the sake of argument. There's a seven-year time period where, there's, where there's, there's wrath that's taking place on the earth. What's going on with the saints in the heavenly realm? during that seven-year time period. Now, I'm going to go through this and just, just quickly. Now, I'll come back and I'll touch these things again, so it's not like I'm going to leave it forever. But the Bible says several things. Number one is it says that your body is going to be changed in a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. 1 John 3, 2, I already quoted it to you. When we see him, we shall be like him. Now, I kid Trace about this all the time, but I, I'm, I'm half serious when I say this. It says when we see him, we shall be like him. He was 33 years old when he died. I honestly, if people said, how are we going to look in heaven? I believe we're all going to be the best 33 we've ever been. That's what I believe. See, to me, that's, I mean, you, you, you believe what you want to believe. That's just what I believe. Best, the best 33. And when you're 45, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Well, I, I can't answer for those of you that are under 33. I, guess, I said the best 33 you could ever be. Number two, what else happens? There's a great reunion with the saints who've already died. The Bible says, and, and I don't, you know, to be absent in bodies, to be present of the Lord, with the Lord, and I don't understand. This is a mystery. He says, I'm going to talk about a mystery here. And so don't, don't ask me how all this works because we're talking about mysteries. 
When you die, you go to be with the Lord. But somehow or another, those saints are going to go back. They're going to burst out of graves. And they're going to be caught up in the air to be with the Lord. I mean, that's incredible. So we're going to have this great, wonderful reunion. Number three, the Bible says that during this time period, we're going to go to a place that's called the Bema Seat. And the Bema Seat is the place in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that tells us that there you will be rewarded as believers to the works that you have done while you were here on earth. And all your good works that were done as a believer will be rewarded. The Bible says that everything that was not of him is going to be burned up. So it's going to be a little smoky at the Bema Seat. And so you need to think about it. Do you want smoking or non-smoking? All right, you need... Because works of the flesh are burned up. Wood, hay, stubble, it says. But the rest will be gold. And that'll be the Bema Seat. That's when rewards will be handed out. And then number four, the great... You, 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 can't, you can't have a great reunion unless you're going to have a dinner. And you'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where we gather around the, the table of the Lord. Now on Sundays we get to enjoy communion together. And it's the table of the Lord. But that's just a picture of the table of the Lord. Now I'm going to end with this and we'll be done. What happens if you miss the boat? Now we're going to have to spend a lot more time and we will on this subject. We'll talk a lot more about this time period of tribulation. Um, as, I, as I said, none of this is good. And um, there's going to be tribulation, the Bible says, the likes of which the world has never known. There's going to be, God's wrath will be poured out. If you think Charlie and Francis caused problems, that was just a little sneeze. God's wrath will be poured out. The Bible tells us a couple of things, and, and, and there's a whole lot more that we'll cover, but two things I just want to leave you with. That is, number one, there's, there's going to be unusual, incredible spiritual pressure. 2 Thessalonians 2.7 says that at the moment that this takes place, and whether this be the Holy Spirit or whether it be the church or the saints, but it says that whatever was restraining evil the restrainer is gone. It's taken out. There will be no restraint. It's hard to believe right now. We say to ourselves, how could the world get any worse? <laughs> this is what's amazing. It's being restrained. But there will be no restraint. Absolutely no restraint. And then secondly, and I know this will have to be talked about a little bit more, that apparently one can be redeemed in the tribulation period, but in all likelihood it will cost you your life. The book of the Revelation will talk about the tribulation saints, the martyrs, who cry out from under the altar. Because you see, you're going to be faced with certain things. You're going to be faced with joining an economic system that says that you're going to have to take a mark on your forehead or on your hand, and if you take that mark, God will have nothing to do with you. And so you're going to have to ask yourself the question, am I going to function within this system or am I going to have to find another way to function? And when you can no longer function in the system and the system finds that out, the Bible tells us clearly they ain't going to be happy. 
They're not going to be happy. It's going to be a very difficult, difficult, difficult time period. People have often asked me, and, I, and I've heard it through the years. I've heard this stuff preached through the years, and it'll scare the hound out of you. They say, you trying to scare us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am a little, a little. Because you see, God, God is, God, God is, God is gracious and patient and kind and long-suffering and we live in such a wonderful time period where he extends his arms and he says, come to me. And there's going to be a time period when he says, I've done my best to say, come. And now it's time for justice and holiness and righteousness and wrath. And the interesting thing is you're not going to be able to stand before God and say, well, you know, if you just give me another day, you've got your day today. That's why he says today is the day. Now is the time. This is the moment of salvation. So you can roll the dice and probably you'll wake up tomorrow and everything will be just the same as it was tonight and life will go on and you can do that if you want. Or... You could say, you know what, I'm not rolling the dice on this one. This, this isn't just, I'm going to get time out for a while. This is eternal. Kids, I'm talking to you, this is eternal. Okay? Live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. You'll be glad you did. Not just to avoid this. I mean, this, believe me, this is reason enough to avoid. But the good news is he provides life and that more abundantly. Wow, what a great deal. Amen. Hey, let's stand, will we? Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher and the revealer, and you are the one that ultimately draws all men, women, boys, girls, young people. You are the one that draws to yourself. So Holy Spirit, we can do our best to instruct and teach and share, but only you right now can draw. Only you can complete the work. So Holy Spirit, I would ask right now in the name of Jesus, in the middle of the week, on a Wednesday night, that if there's a lack of assurance, if there has been rebellion and waywardness, Lord, I ask right now that your spirit would come and that as lovingly as you do, that you begin to woo and draw people to you. Tell you what I want to do, heads bowed, eyes closed. Right now, before we go, you would say right now, I want to make a decision for the Lord, or you might say, I need to get my life right. To be honest with you, I don't know that I'm on target. I'm not, on, I'm not sure I'm on track. I don't have assurance. I want you to go tonight, and I want you to know that you know that you know. And that's the good news. You can get up to date, man. Get up to date. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, that's you. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand right now. Thank you. Keep it up. 
Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. One, two, three, four, six, seven, eight. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down right now. Now, I just want to say there were 14 people here tonight that the Holy Spirit was working on. And you know what? I'm proud of you. you got it. God loves you. And right now, he, he, wa he wants to let you know that uh, he can be more than enough. He can give you confidence, and he can give you that assurance. And here's the deal, and we're all going to do this together. And let's just join with these 14. Those of you that raise your hands right now, I just simply want you to link up with this confession, and we're just all going to join in and pray with you. And um, just get our lives back on target. You need to just pray with sincerity, whether it's the first time you've prayed or whether this is just a recommittal, whatever the case may be, you just have to come to God with great sincerity. He knows your heart. He knows that you're being led in a prayer, but that what you are doing right now is you're just having someone help you articulate what you're feeling and what the Holy Spirit's talking to you about. So let's just do this together, shall we? And everyone say, Dear Jesus, thank you for talking to me. I appreciate that. It means you love me and you want me. And I'm responding to you. And right now, I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. You're my Savior. I ask forgiveness for my sin, my waywardness, my rebellion. I make a choice. I turn and walk with you. I want to pursue you. I want to know you better. And so I reach out to you, and I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart. You are all the word says. And I receive you in freshness tonight. Holy Spirit, bear witness to my spirit that I'm a child of God. And let me rest well, because I know you, and you know me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap now and say thanks, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, next time we'll just pick it up. And um, we started with rapture, and I'm not sure where we're going to go, but we'll stay right in this area for a while. So we'll just pick it up next time. Study up yourself and read all that good stuff and let it be an encouragement to you. God bless you. We'll see you. You're released.